0: There. This is PowerPoint tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teaching of God's word and the ministry of the spirit. Hebrews chapter 12 from verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12 from verse 1. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing that we are so compassed about, with so great a cloud of witness, let us therefore lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset, Looking unto Jesus, that means the sin that doth so easily beset and the weight that is wrapped around us, what it does is that it hinders us from looking unto Jesus. Because we begin to feel that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of ourselves of some things. But you see, Paul said we are not su- sufficient of ourselves to think of ourselves of anything, but our sufficiency is of God, who has called us to be able ministers of the New Testament, which was not written in the letter but in the spirit, for the letter kills, But the Spirit gives life. And so this weight that wraps itself around you is yourself. And this sin that easily besets, that easily hinders you from looking unto Jesus is pride. All right? And so we say looking unto Jesus, the author, the sustainer, and the finisher of our faith. Amen. He doesn't start a thing to leave it halfway. He starts, he sustains it, and then he finishes it. Amen. Praise God. Just to buttress this a little bit, let's go to Hebrews chapter 13. And and, and today I'm hoping that I will have enough time because it doesn't look like I will have enough time. (laughs) I perceive (laughs) that I'm not going to have enough time. But let's see how, how it goes. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13, 20. Amen. It's God's word. Amen. It's God's word. We've got to get excited about it. Now the God of peace who brought back again from the dead. Our Lord Jesus Christ. I I like the fact that God always introduces himself with his history, with his CV. He doesn't just say, the God that is about to change your life. No. He says, the God of peace. And then I'm going to explain what I've done before. The God of peace. (laughs) Who brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of his everlasting covenant, verse 21, make you perfect in every good work. Every time there is an assignment before me that the Lord has placed in my heart, this is the scripture I go to. I just go to this scripture. So I go to the scripture. He says, He makes you perfect in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight. So this is the illustration. I want to give somebody an assignment. Ademi, right? That's your name. Good. So uh, I want to give Ademi an assignment. So what I do is that, I make sure I perfect Ademi to be able to do what I've told him to do. So I call Ademi and then I make him perfect to do the task that I need him to do, right? After I call Ademi, I am now going to enter into Ademi to do the task that I've told him to do. So that Ademi can now come back to report to me to mark what he, through me, had done. How is it possible for Ademi to fail? It's impossible. It's, it's airtight. There is no opportunity for you to even make an attempt to fail. Because you're not even in the equation in the first place. He perfects you in every good work to do his will. He works in you what he expects you to get done. So when you're done, it's still not our mark it. How can you fail what he did? Because he did it. It had nothing to do with you. So if he tells you, go up at once and take that mountain, it is not about you. The more you put yourself in the middle, the more you are unable to achieve it. Your failure to achieve his dream is because you have put yourself in the line. You are not, you are not meant to be there. The more, you, the, the more you see him, the less of yourself you see. So he calls you and perfects you do his will. He then works in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. He's still the marker. He's the examiner. Praise God. And he's the one that writes the exam. Amen. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. And so, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. He says, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. So your faith is not about you. Your faith is about him. And as often as you look unto Jesus, you are sustained by his faith. You're sustained by the faith that comes from him. You, you radiate his faith. You receive his faith. And how you look unto Jesus is not by going up and around, looking up and saying, Lord, I'm looking unto you today. I'm looking unto you for my daily bread. No, you look unto Jesus by looking into the word. Because we have already established that Jesus is the word. Revelations nineteen thirteen, That his name is called the word of God. His name is called the word of God. Revelations nineteen thirteen, John chapter 1 and verse 1 sanctify them by thy truth thy word is truth thy word is truth who is truth john chapter 14 verse 6 i am the way i am the truth and i am the life no man comes to the father except by me and so the expanded version of that is jesus christ is the way to the father He is the truth about the Father and He is the life of the Father. And so if you ever want to get to the Father, it is Him. If you ever want to know about the Father, it is Him. If you ever want to have the life of the Father, it is Him. He is the way to the Father. He is the truth about the Father and He is the life of the Father. No man can have the life of God without Jesus. You cannot have the life of God without Jesus and you cannot know about God without Jesus. And you cannot even get to God about Jesus. So, you know, that, that thing that people say, uh, that Allah uh, on kono it's not true. It's not true. There are many ways to God. It's not true. There are not many ways to God. He is the only way. He is the only truth. He is the only life of the Father. No man can get to the Father except... Christianity is not a proud religion. It's the only religion. You see, because pride needs others. It needs competition, right? So you say, uh, it's better. No, Christianity is not better. It's the only. And it's not to, to put down every other religion. It's to exalt Christ to where he really belongs. Yeah. It's to exalt Christ. There is no better religion anywhere. Yeah. And, you see, God is not wiser. Uh, he's the only wise. wise. Yeah. That's what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say God is the, the wiser than anybody. Because, you see, when you come to him, you lose the essence of the wisdom that you carried to him. You, you lose it because he is wisdom. He is the only wise God. The only. He didn't say he's the wisest God. He is the only wise God. Anybody that ever displays wisdom got it from him. He's the only wise God. If you lack wisdom, don't sing. Don't read. Ask. He is the one that will give unto you liberally. Alright? If you need wisdom, it is him that gives it. Praise the name of the Lord. And so Christianity is not about exalting a religion above another. It's about discovering the way discovering the truth, and discovering the life of the Father. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. And so here we realize Hebrews chapter 12, that he's the author and the finisher of our faith, and he is the word. And so we look unto Jesus by looking into the word. And then this word that we're looking into, there is a way it works. It doesn't work like every other thing. It works in a dynamic way. And it interacts with a certain part of our lives. It is called our hearts, our minds, our soul. It interacts with our soul, our minds, to create a harvest in return. And so when you interact with God's word, how your heart is will determine how the word of God will plow back harvest into your life. All right? If he meets you by the wayside, he cannot help you because you are not in him. You are by the wayside. You are beside the way. You are not on the way. You are not in the truth. You are not in the life. So you are not saved yet if you are by the wayside. And that's why the Bible talks about the birds of the air. The prince and the power of the air. The wicked ones. Satan. They come and they steal the word. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says that if our gospel is hidden, it is hidden only to them who are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And so anyone who is not saved is because the devil has been stealing the word of God that he has been hearing all these years. And so how you change that narrative is by praying for that person that, Lord, I reduce and limit the the powers and the potential of the enemy over that person, All right, so that the person can begin to be more attuned to receiving God's word. And so the, the impact and the influence of the enemy over the person's heart is reducing and waning. But while it is reducing and waning, you sow the word. Because the person cannot get saved by your prayers. It is the word that gets the person saved. But your prayers is going to limit the influence of the enemy over that person so that by the time the word of God is sown, it can be received and then the person can get saved. No man can get saved without a preacher. Praise God. No man can get saved without the word being sown into their heart. And so once they leave the wayside, the likeliest place they will end up is the thorny ground, or rather, is the stony ground where they are still babes and they're still growing, they're still learning about the things of God. At that point, they are very touchy. You know, when you give birth to a child and the child is just very touchy, any small thing is crying. That's how baby believers behave. Any small thing, they're crying. They're hot, they're crying. They're hungry, they're crying. Anything, they're crying. Because they're still babies. They've not learned. They've not matured. They don't have earth. They don't have understanding. So they're they are on, the, on the, the stony ground. And what they need at that level is earth. Earth. Understanding. Roots. And how do you get that? By reading the Bible. You read the Bible. There's no shortcut to reading your Bible. You have to read it. You've got to stick your nose in it and just read it. You read it, you read it, you read it. You pour yourself over the scriptures and you just read the word. You read the word. You listen to teachers. You listen to, to, the, to God's word. Being taught through you know, ministry gifts, apostles, pastors, teachers. Teachers especially at your developmental stage. Because if you listen to an apostle who is conk, <laughs> you will not know where to start from. <laughs> to what the Bible talks about. You know, I think it was Brother Kenneth Hagen who said he, he advises that once you get saved, just read the New Testament first. Before I begin to go to Habakkuk. Before I go to Habakkuk. <laughs> and Nahum. Some of us don't even know where, the, <laughs> where this part of scripture Where Where are they exactly? Nahum. Micah. Who is Micah? <laughs> there are some dangerous prophecies in Micah, by the way. Dangerous. Ah! You need Micah in your life. But start with Genesis. I mean, sorry, start with Matthew. Matthew. Go to, you know, Mark, Luke, John. Especially John. Ah! Praise God. That guy was something else. What others wrote historically, he wrote revelationally. Yeah. yeah. He didn't write historically just no 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 no. Revelation. Too much. So read John. Read John 3.16. Start from there. Read John 3.16. For God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. That's how you grow. You get earth. You get earth. You, you grow. And then you go into the epistles, you understand those things. Then you can now start going to, you know, Habakkuk and go. Praise God. And then, hopefully in your first six months, one year, two years of getting saved, you have voraciously read the Word. That's why many of those people who, who get saved, they are very voracious. Have you noticed? They're voracious. They just read 20 chapters a day. 30 chapters a day. They are voracious. They want, to, they want to learn as much as they can. They listen to several messages. They inundate themselves in God's Word. That's how they grow and get earth. They're not going to get any... They're not growing so that they can preach good. Good. They're not growing so that they can preach or they can get anything from God. They're just growing because they love God. Because that's, you know, that's what the Bible calls the first love. You get saved and then you're so excited. You're voracious. You want to just learn. And so hopefully by the time you have learned and learned, you go into the thorny ground. Hopefully you can skip that actually. Because the thorny ground are for believers who have grown to a certain degree. Yeah. They've grown. They've learned some things. But some, some things in this life have, they have begun to tamper with their concentration and their attention to God's word. Like work, like marriage. Now life, true. Like work, like marriage, like the pleasures of this life, like movies, like TV, like social media, and those things choke the word. They choke the word. You know what Pastor Timmy was sharing with me this morning while we're doing the meditations, right? Of the things you've learned, he was saying that um, that it, it caught his attention the fact that we 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 understood from the. Parable of the Sower that only eight people ever get to maximize the word. Only eight percent. Only eight percent. Because if you put this framework, all right, in a statistical data or spreadsheet, you realize that 25 percent. You know are, there are four different categories of heart, of heart, and all of that. So let's say 25 percent belong to the the wayside. Another 25 percent belong to the hard ground, the, the stony ground. Another 25 percent to the thorny ground. Only 25% belong to the good ground. And out of the good ground, only one-third belong to those who produce 100% increase. And he has been thinking, all the words he has been hearing all these years, has he really maximized those words? Has he really paid attention as much? And that's the question we all ought to be asking ourselves. He's a pastor. He's someone that can preach and has preached and we are blessed. And he's still asking himself, the things I've been hearing, have I really maximized them? Praise God. Hallelujah. And that's why you notice that many of our fathers, the Smith of this world, they didn't understand many of the things we understand today. But the little they understood, they stayed on it. They meditated on it. Oh, they stayed on it till it became so real to them. Someone like Smith what? raised over 40 men from the dead. Smith, one man, over 40 men. He stayed on the power of resurrection. He must have just stayed there and meditated on that thing for years. You meditate on one scripture for years. It's possible. You see, every strand of scripture, you can, it's elastic. You can stay there for as long and you keep entering chambers upon chambers upon chambers. It never ends. And so the more you enter into the meditation of that word, the more you experience it. Bishop Idaosa, he went to Duncan Williams University one of those days. And while he was right, right there with Duncan Williams, one of the workers in the university, while they were building one particular property, the man just fell down and died immediately. But Bishop was there with him. And Duncan and every other person were running elter-skelter. What are we going to do carrying the man up and around? And Bishop just looked at the man. He just just told them to calm down. He just went around him and knelt down and just held his head and just groaned. <laughs> That's all he did. That's all he did. And this man coughed and came back to life. That's all he did. He didn't even say a word. He just groaned. What did he do? He transferred the life in his spirit into that man. He understood it. He, didn't, he understood what he was doing. See, if you listen to Bishop Bidawsa, some of the things you will hear may not be the most accurate of things. But guess what? That one thing he understood, he stayed the tabernacle there. And it became a massive oak tree in Nigeria, in Africa, and in the world at large. He went to Benihim ministry, lay down on Benihim. Come, Benihim. Come, lay down on Benihim. <laughs> Benihim. The Benin that we all, the, the same man. Bishop Idaosa was a monumental influence in the world. Strong man. But how did he get there? He stayed on one thing, and he grew out of that world. He became an oak tree. Oh boy. Bible says the kingdom of God is like a, 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 a mustard seed. At the level of the mustard seed, it's very you can ignore it. It looks very negligible. But the Bible says if this mustard seed grows and enters, or rather go, goes into the ground and grows, Bible says it becomes an oak tree that even birds, who could have taken advantage of it when it was only a seed, they will now come and receive nourishment from it after it had grown into an oak tree. You see that that is this little word that you think the lord is my shepherd it's just one thing there if you stay on the lord is my shepherd if you stay on it and you sow it into the ground you can build a massive institution from the lord is my shepherd it's massive the word every single strand of the bible is not a jot it's without power not a jot every single part of the word is so powerful that you can stay there for as long as you want and just build and build you will take roots downwards and you begin to bear fruit upwards. But it's not your business how you bear fruit. You just take root downwards. When saturation happens, you begin to bear fruit. You begin to bear fruit. It's not for you to be determining how you will bear fruit. Some of us are too fruit conscious. Be root conscious. Be root conscious. You're too fruit conscious. Oh, how many fruit have I born today? No, get root inside. Get root. Get, just get your root down, down, down. By the time your fruit begins, you, you, you will almost be a, a, a third party. Like, oh, oh, really, I'm bearing fruit already. And people are not telling you. Men will see your good works. And glorify your Father in heaven. Because, you see, you have borne fruit upwards. But you're, you're not conscious of your bearing fruit upwards as much as you are taking roots downwards. 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 And so we saw how that you can graduate from being someone who, who is on the thorny ground, praise God, to somebody who gets on the good ground. And this morning, the Lord gave me a prophecy for every one of us. Yeah, Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 3. Jeremiah chapter 4. Wow. I still do the recap. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 4. Praise God. For thus said the Lord unto the PowerPoint tribe members: break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Break up your fallow ground, don't sow among thorns. Thorns will choke the word. The seed is the word. Mark four fourteen, Luke 8, 11. The seed is the word. The seed is the word. The seed is the word. Break up your fallow ground. He's been choked with thorns. Every day you are just badged with so many cares of this world. Deceitfulness of riches and the pleasures of life. He says, sow not among thorns. Get those thorns out before you sow. Before you receive God's word into your heart, break up your fallow ground. Tell your neighbor, break up your fallow ground. Break it up. Receive the word of God into your heart. Let it begin to produce and germinate fruits. Praise the name of the Lord. Are we still together? And so you move to the good ground. The good ground. Write this prophecy down. Write it down. And then meditate on it later on. Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 3. And then, in light of all the things we have learned and shared about the Word of God and what those thorns are, begin to judge yourself and begin to assess your own life. What are the thorns in your life that you need to remove? Because prophecy comes to instruct you, to instruct you, to instruct you, to make you much more productive, to prune you, so you can bear more fruits. All right. So break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Very important. Praise the name of the Lord. And so you get into the good ground. And then some people produce 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100. And then you're wondering. The next thing God, Jesus begins to say now is, no man light a candle and put it under a bushel. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about fruitfulness here. Why are you talking about light and candles and bushels? Why? why are you? What, what's the correlation? And for a long time, I didn't know what the correlation was. That you see, fruitfulness is connected to this next verse. I just think, you know, it's one of those side journeys that Jesus just takes. Whenever he's talking, he just goes here, goes there. He just goes here and there. But you see, the Holy Ghost helps you to bring them together. He leads you into all truth. Jesus is supposed to be like that. He's supposed to be like that. Because if he's not like that, the Holy Ghost doesn't have anything to do. You see, so he speaks here and there in parables and all of that. So that the Holy Ghost can reveal to you the truth of the word. He brings you into the truth. He leads you into all truth. He guides you into all truth. And so you see Jesus saying all of those things. And the next verse begins to say, No man lights a candle and puts it under a bushel. And you begin to think, Who is the candle? What is the light that he's talking about? And you realize that God is referring to your spirit man. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. He says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. That is, once that candle is lit, that is, once you get born again, it becomes a tool in the hands of God. It becomes a tool that it leads your life by. But you will never be led by your spirit if the word of God does not have ascendancy in your life. Because the word and the spirit are the same. John chapter 6 and verse 63. The Bible says, the flesh profiteth nothing. It is the spirit that quickens. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. God cannot quicken you apart from the word. God cannot transfer spirit into you apart from the word. The most spiritual you ever get is to get the word of God in your inside. They that are carnally minded do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are spiritually minded the things of the spirit. What is the thing of the spirit? The word. Because the word that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. John chapter 15 verse 3. Now you have to open your Bibles. No projector for you. John chapter 15 verse 3. Bible says, now you are clean. Just by the words that I'm speaking over you. You are clean. John chapter 17, verse 17. Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. truth. Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. You are clean. Wow. You are clean. By the words that I speak over you. You are clean. The word of God is spirit and it's life. That's how you move From 30 to 60 to 100 by focusing on the word. So I was talking about the candle, right? So the candle is your spirit. But you see, in your spirit, everything the word of God says about you is in your spirit. Your spirit is full of love, is full of grace, is full of truth, is full of mercy, is full of all the fruit of the spirit. They are inside of your spirit. Everything good in life is inside of your spirit. You are blessed with all spiritual blessings in every places. It's all locked up in your spirit. But how you will manifest That reality in your spirit hmm, is by focusing on the Word. Because the Word of God is what tells you who your spirit really is and what it really has. Remember James chapter 1? So you look at the perfect law of liberty and you continue therein. Not forgetting what manner of man you are. Because the manner of man you really are is in the Word. If you look at the Word, you will not see your physical body. You will not see your soul. You will see your spirit. So when you look at the perfect law of liberty and you leave, you must not forget what you saw. Because what you saw is your spirit man. What you saw is your capacity in the realm of the spirit. And the more you allow that capacity enter into your soul, your mind, your thinking, your emotions, your thoughts, your your proclivities, your tendencies, the more supernatural you become. The more supernatural you become. And so it is the more you stay on the word that your spirit gains ascendancy over your flesh. So the more you stay on the word, the more you carry your candlestick or candlestand and put it over and above the bushel. So that it dominates the bushel and the bushel doesn't dominate the candlestand. Because you see a lot of folks are lit candles but covered glories, right? Because you see they are lit, they are born again. But their flesh has dominated them. If anything happens now, it is Ori Yami you here. Why? Because, you see, their minds are focused on that. Anything that happens, they are scared already. Any little thing. Because they are focused more on their flesh. Their their challenges. Their limitations in the flesh. the, The DNA of their parents. The genes of their mother. That's not really where your source is from. Your source is in the word. And so Bible says in John chapter... What is it? John chapter 1, from verse 11, 12. he says, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become sons of God. And uh, uh, as many as believe on his name. He now says, they that were born, not of the will of man, nor of blood or of the flesh, but of the will of God. So if you must refer to any descent, it's not a natural descent. You refer and re refer to your supernatural descent. Praise God. I hope I'm not speaking Greek here. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. It means that if everybody is subject to a natural reality, if you know who you are in the world, you don't have to be subject to it. You don't have to be subject to it. If everybody's eating of the king's table, and they're getting fat and all of that, if you eat vegetables, you'll be ten times better than them. Because you are not of the natural descent. Because you know who you are. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So when you look into the perfect law of liberty, it reveals to you your spirit. And once it reveals to you your spirit, you now begin to meditate on that word. Until it jumps into your mind, and to your soul, and into your body. Your body is the last reaction. Your, your body just it gets the impulse or the promptings, the, the last. Alright? All right? Is it the least or the last? Pastor Peace, help me. He, he's the last to recognize what is happening in your spirit. He's the last. all right. Because the spirit is closer to the mind than to the body. The body is just a follower. Whatever your mind decides is what your body will do. Whatever your mind decides is what your body will do. And so once your spirit has said, you're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? And you stay there. To, to be blessed means to abound in all things to be empowered to prosper oh i'm empowered to prosper that means anywhere i go to there is an empowerment to prosper in that realm not because of anything but because of me is that is there is there is there an example of that in the scripture oh joseph joseph oh that's true he entered into potiphar's house and because of him potiphar was blessed oh so joseph was blessed and so because joseph was blessed He transferred the blessing and the prosperity into his environment. Oh, there's another example. There is the Ark of Covenant. Wow. Obed-Edom had not prospered one tenth as much as he prospered when the, the Ark of Covenant was with him. In three months, everything blossomed around him. Wow. Everything blossomed. Wow, wow, wow. That means the Ark of Covenant blessed him, made him a prosperous man. Wow. The Ark of Covenant. What is inside the Ark of Covenant? Oh, there is, the, there is. We, we see it in Hebrews 9 and in Hebrews, Hebrews 10. What's inside the Ark of Covenant? We, we have the Torah inside the Ark of Covenant. We have the showbread. Oh, wow, the Torah. Those are the things that make the Ark of Covenant what it is. The Christ is inside. And so this Christ is now inside me, the temple of the Lord. Wow, wow. So everywhere I go, I carry with me the Ark of Covenant. So if I enter a place, three months is too much. I must be able to change the narrative of that environment if I understand that I carry with my members the Ark of Covenant. Wow, wow. So I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. The showbread is there. The showbread, what what is bread? What is bread? Oh, Jesus said, I'm the bread that comes from heaven. I'm the bread of life. Oh, he's the bread of life. He's the bread that satisfies much more than earthly things. Is the bread that when I eat him, oh boy, something changes on my inside. My DNA changes. My gene changes. I may be assessed medically, but spiritually I'm of, her, I'm of God. I'm of him who has called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. Oh, the showbread is there. The Torah is there. Wow. The rod of Aaron, the buds is there. What is the rod of Aaron the board? It was the rod that God used to explain to the children of Israel that Aaron indeed is the priest that I've called and anointed. Wow. So what made his own board? The rod is not attached to the soil. What was he attached to? He was attached to the presence of God. Woo! So everywhere I go, I carry the presence of God with me. What? Inside of me, there's a showbread. Inside of me, there is the rod of Aaron the border. Inside of me, there is the Torah opened. Wow. So these are all the things that are incubated in the Ark of Covenant. And where is the Ark of Covenant? It's in the Holy of Holies. Oh, where is my Holy of Holies? My Holy of Holies is in my spirit. It's in my spirit. It is not in the outer court where everybody can shake and hug. You don't go into the Holy of Holies. Nobody can get in there. Only the word can. Only the word can. So when somebody hugs you, they, they they are touching your outer court. Your outer court. And it's for everybody, really. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. They wash things there. It's dirty. It's all messed up. Brazen altar and all of that. Then you go into the holy place. It's it's more secluded than the outer courts. It's more secluded. Then when you leave that place, you now enter into the holies of holies. Where you enter only once as a priest. And not just a priest, the high priest. You enter only once a year. And this thing that the high priest enters once a year is now where my spirit resides. And this is my spirit that resides there. Is not only available to me once a year oh how often do i have access to my spirit as often as i meditate on the word, i'm entering into the dimensions of my spirit. and am bringing resources into my reality wow wow and i don't have to go there with fear and trepidation and anxiety having a chain hung on my leg hoping that if i die somebody can drag me out i can enter boldly to the throne of grace to so obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need Wow, wow. So I have no reason for any man to, to get me scared or, or, or fearful. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That is how you meditate. Time meditate. I just meditated right now. I just did. I just did. You, you, you just wait. You stay on the word. And it begins to bring out dimensions, realities. Dimensions, realities. I'm sure when Daniel was entering into the lion's den, uh, he must have been quoting Psalms 24 or something. The earth is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof. And all that are daring. The lions, the goats, they are all his. And I'm a son of his. He, he, you see, your environment has no right to respond to you except you have meditated. Is not obliged. Your environment is obliged to respond to you once you meditate. I tell you the truth. Because you meditate and your environment begins to pick the signal. Somebody is meditating somewhere. Somebody is activating the power in the word. Because this word is not powerful until it is sown into your heart. Until it is sown into your heart. And how you sow it into your heart is by meditating on it. That's, the, that's how the power comes out. What's the usefulness of a bean seed on a table? Can you eat it? Doesn't, it does no good to anybody. It has to be sown into the ground. It has to die. You have to meditate on it. Day and night. You have to deny yourself. Praise the name of With the Lord. God. Wow. Meditate. See. This is the... This is... The crux of this series, meditation. You Stay there. You stay there. When you see 30, you say, "Eh, it's not enough. When you see 60, you say, no, I want 100. 100. And to what degree should you now meditate if you want 100? It is, you 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 must remove every thorn for the word of God to have that much level of ascendancy in your heart, in your life, and then 100-fold increase becomes normal, natural. Because, you see, the Word of God is a just system, right? It, it, it doesn't cheat anybody. It is what you put into it that it, it will plow back to you. If you put 30-fold grade meditation, it will give you 30-fold grade of returns. Put 60-fold grade of meditation, it will give you 60-fold. It will give 100% of your time and resources into the Word. It will plough back hundredfold unto you. Unto you. This is the truth of God's word. It's the truth of God's word. Amen. And so you put your candle stand up so that it can give light to those around. And so if you want to be a blessing to people around you, you cannot be a blessing to people around you God's way without meditation. The Bible says that this water will be in you a well. But it's not meant to stay a well. John chapter 4. It will be in you a well. Springing up into everlasting life. A well is hidden. A spring is not. A well is deep. A spring is, it flows out. But it will be in you a well. Springing up into everlasting life. It will be in you a well. You you, you dig deep into the word. I hope after this series, your love for the word would increase. That's my prayer. If, if you begin to read your Bible more voraciously, this series has achieved its aim. It has done what it's supposed to do. It has achieved its aim. If you just stay in God's word and just stay there, praise the name of the Lord. So we now began to examine what your bought last week. Right? How that, once you don't meditate on God's word, No matter what God is saying to you, you can't catch up with it. Your mind cannot accept it. Your mind cannot receive it. As it tries to receive it, it bounces back. This is the difference between motivational speaking and the Word of God. You see, once people come and they motivate you with their stories, what happens is that the influence is coming from the external. It cannot be sustained by the system in you. The impulse. So, I I, I tell you how I made two million dollars you're right, before I clock 25 and how that, you know, I'm doing so well, God has been faithful in my life, and I inspire you to want to be like me. Now, you are inspired. It's called inspirational speeches and motivational talks. And then you leave that place feeling like, man, I'm going to start a business. When is the next proposal coming out? I'm d-. And then two weeks after, you are looking for that excitement. You can't find it again. You are looking for it. You are looking for that ginger. Because, you see, that system feeds on the ginger of people. So because of the way you felt, the next time they call for it, you go again. Because you want to have that feeling again. But one, two, three years down the line, you are still not different from the guy that went there two, three years ago. Because you are feeling on a high. It's like you're smoking something. And then you, on the excitement of that thing, you, you just, you ramble. And then you come back to reality. Your reality is not what they are saying. It is a psyched reality. So by the time you are sober, you are back to square one. Because you were just smoking something for the time being. Meditation is not from outside in. It's from inside out. It's different. I'm not hearing something to psych myself up. I know who I am in scriptures. I stay on it and it begins to produce fruit on my inside. Before you know it, it will come out for the world to see. That is what we ought to focus on. Hopefully after this series we'll do a series on purpose. And you begin to realize what your life is about how you're supposed to live your life, every single day of your life, what it is about, what and how you should draw energy from the Word to live out your life. Because that's the kind of life that God will reward in heaven. You know, He won't reward everybody that, is, that, that gets to heaven. Only those who are able to make something substantial out of their relationship with the Word will get a reward. Your relationship with the Word has to be vibrant. has to be vibrant. And so it is out. it is inside out. Inside out. Praise the name of the Lord. And so once that reality begins to dawn on you in your heart, in your spirit, and the reality of the word begins to rise in your heart, when God says a thing, your frequency can catch it. You are not putting hindrances and limitations to hinder the word of God from coming to pass. You are receiving it the way it's coming. Because the system in you has the OS Capable, consistent with the word that God is speaking. Because you meditate on the word. Because you meditate on the word. Amen. Praise the Lord. You guys are not shouting like you shouted last week. No, 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 it's okay. The reason is because, you see, the word of God is like hammer sometimes. Alright? It's like wine some other times, But it's like hammer sometimes too. It hits you. And what you're doing is you're rebuking yourself. "Ah, I, I need to do more. 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 I need to focus on the word. And if that is you today, I'm fine. She's just hitting yourself that Lord, what have I been doing with my Christian life? I need to be more fruitful. I need to take my roots downwards, downwards. Because there's so many things the Lord will speak to you, but you're not able to receive it. Like I said last week, God tells you go into the land and spy it to get you excited. But you go into the same land you spy it and you get yourself depressed. Why? Because you have not meditated on God's word. What you see is giants. What somebody who has meditated on God's word is seeing is bread. And there's a difference between a giant and bread. When you see giants, you are scared. You you are worried. When you see bread, you are excited. You want to eat it. Like me. I love bread. So when I see bread, soft ones. Oh boy. The soft ones. The hot ones. I I just want to go all over it. Why? Because it's bread I see. Because you, you cannot see bread if you have not been meditating. You can see it. You will see giants. And you will cry. And you will infect every other person around you with your own belief. And your own belief will become their reality because they will eventually die and not enter into the promised land as well. And it will not look like, well, beside it, the giants are too much. It was your belief that created the reality. It was not the reality that was supposed to happen. You, you believed into the reality. And guess what? Caleb and Joshua, did they enter into it? They did. 40 years down the line, they did. The same strength that was in Caleb 40 years ago, he still had it. You see, because he has stayed on the word. The the word of God sustained his strength until it became a reality that he conquered that land and he possessed it. Because you see, your thinking eventually will become your reality. If you keep telling yourself, I'm not good enough, nobody sees anything good in me, you will keep creating cycles of those repeated experiences. Cycles of those repeated experiences. I'm not good enough. I can't speak good English. People, People don't listen to me. The more you keep saying that to yourself, the more people will look at you funny. And you'll be like, I said it. I said it. No, you are creating your reality. That shouldn't have been you if you stayed inside God's word. And that's why whenever God is talking to someone, some Joshua, Gideon, he keeps saying, fear not. Remove all the mindsets and limitations and insecurities you had about yourself. Look at what I'm saying. Receive my word into your heart. Fear not. I am with you. My presence is with you. I will give you a mouth and a wisdom of which none of your adversaries will be able to against or resist you. Stay on that word. Grow in boldness. I used to be very shy. I couldn't look at a person in the face. My legs were full of sore. I mean, there was a lady, I can never forget her name, but I will not mention her name. She looked at me one day and she spoiled her face, ruined her face. How can somebody's leg be be this messed up? And she wanted to go and call all her friends to come and look at my legs so that they can mock me more. I ran away, and from that day, I told God, God, if you don't heal me of this plague, <laughs> make sure I don't wake up. Sincerely, I, I will be about to sleep now, and I will tell God, God, I need this leg healed before tomorrow. If you don't heal it, I don't want to wake up. I'm telling you, I was that depressed, almost suicidal, right? Because that was my experience. And, I, and I'm glad God just stole me, literally, because if, that, if, I, cont- if I stayed in that, if I, if I stayed in it, I'm not even sure I would have lived this long. Because, I mean, why, why would you want to leave if nobody wants you? Because that's the, that's the story the devil is selling to a lot of people. You're not good enough. You have stayed on the wrong side of the word. You have stayed on the wrong side of the word. Stay inside the word. Stay inside. It will build your confidence. It will build your, 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 your courage. Your confidence will be, will be built in him. Praise the name of the Lord. Today is not for sad, sad stories because it, it was a sad season of mine. I'm telling you the truth, it was, it was not funny. But you stay in the word, and it begins to create new realms of possibilities for you. He says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. The way the heavens are far above the earth, that is how far apart my thoughts and your thoughts are. But what does he want you to do? He wants you to bridge it. He wants you to bring it close. He wants the divergence between your thoughts and his thoughts to be almost negligible. Such that when he's saying it, you're catching it. You are not giving buts. and say but, 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 no. He's saying it with all the buts in mind. But he still said it anyways so your bot will not make him change his mind because that is his word he has said it his word superimposes itself he does not seek permissions it superimposes itself if god says you are blessed he's not looking at your background to say oh uh, this one is not blessed enough to be blessed no he's saying it to impose itself over your realities if you will stay with that word you are blessed you will superimpose it over your realities even though you are the last of your, uh, of, of your clan and your father named you or your mother named you Sorrow. If you stay on the word, you will become more honorable than your brethren. That's what Jabez did. Jabez looked into God's word and said, see, my natural descent said this. But what does the word of God say? And he stayed on that word until he became more honorable than all his brethren. The same man that was relegated to the background stayed in the word. And check out those people that God just loves to use. The Bible says he chooses to use the, 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 the foolish things of this world, the least. The things that are broken, the things that are lost, the things that everybody has neglected, the Davids of this world, the Josephs of this world, Benjamin. These are the guys that God just picks up from the backside of the desert and exalts them and puts them on the throne of glory. That's what he does. He takes them from the hill, and he says, I have another reality for you. I have, another, I have another series for you. I have something else to look into. I have a mirror for you. Can you check into that law of liberty? And don't judge yourself by the things that have happened to you in the past. Don't judge yourself by the things that have happened in your environment, in your family and you limit your own realities. Praise the name of the Lord. So you watch your butts. Every time God tells you something, don't say but. Receive it into your heart. Meditate on it until it begins to transform your thinking, your emotions, your thoughts, your imagination and then it will change your life. That's how the word of God works. It works inside out. It works inside out. It works inside out. If you, if, you, if, you, if you smoke, you get sober. But if your sober is high, praise God. Mm, you didn't get that. If your sober is already high, then you don't need to smoke now, right? You don't need to smoke. Because your being sober is already on another level. Because you meditate it inside out. You're not looking for a high somewhere. You're not trying to get hyped by somebody trying to psych you up. No. You already know what the word of God says about you. You know it. Matthew, praise God. Let's go to Matthew again. Matthew is a great guy. Matthew, chapter 6. As we begin to look into what the Lord has for us today. Wow. Wow. Should I be sorry? Okay, Matthew, chapter 6. Amen. Amen. Matthew, chapter 6, verse 22. I'm going to be sharing with you three things that you need to do In order to meditate effectively, number one, meditation requires focus. It requires focus. It requires focus. There's too much noise in life, naturally. There's too much noise. For you to meditate, you have to shut out the noise and focus. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 The light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be single, your whole body shall be full of light. The next verse. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness. How great is that darkness? The light of the body is what? Is the eye. Hmm. If your eye is single, your whole body shall be full of light. I would think that the next verse would say, but if your eye is double or multiple. But he didn't use that word. He says if your eye is evil, that means any eye that is not single is evil. Hmm. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The Bible says let him not even think he can receive anything. It is almost irritating to God that you are double-minded. The Bible says the eye of the body, or rather the light of the body is the eye. If the eye is single, like a flint, single, focused, unperturbed by life and all its noises, single, its whole body shall be full of light. What does that mean? Hmm, praise God. This is what it means. It means that the Lord will shine on you and you will not inhibit anything from going through you to the world. You didn't get that. If your eye is single, you become transparent for him. So that when he shines everything, he can shine. At the back end, they are not seeing a colored version. They are seeing everything. If your eye is single, if God is standing here, You will be a perfect representation of Him at the other side. Because your eye is single, your whole body shall be full of light, there will be no grey area. God will shine on you and at the other end of the divide, people will see what God is showing. Not a mutilated version, not a shaded version. The full version because your eye is single, you are focused on the word, you are focused on it. This is why when he shines that light through you, men will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. But if your eye is not single, you will color him with your experiences. You will color him with your limitations. You will color him with your insecurities. I say all men are the same. There is no good man in this life. All men are the same. None of them will treat you well because Ten times you went into relationship with some men and they didn't treat you well. And so God is trying to shine a light of love through you to your children. But you are unable to show them that same love. Because your experience tells you all men are the same. No man can treat you the way uh, God can treat you. God is the only good person in this life. No. God has good men that he has trained, that he has raised. I use this illustration a lot. I go to a mango tree and I pick up a bad mango at night without light. I pick up a bad mango. I'm leaving the mango tree, and somebody comes. Mayowa comes and says, Sir, uh, is, are there mangoes on that tree? I said, there are, there are mangoes there, but they are bad. But you see, uh, this is another illustration. Let me say better this way. I go to that mango tree. I pick one. I tested it. It was bad. I picked another one. I tested it. It was bad. I picked a third one. I tested it. It was still bad. I didn't check the mangoes. I mean, it was dark. I couldn't see the mangoes before tasting. So I tested them to see what, whether they were good or bad. And my conclusion after tasting three mangoes was that they were bad. If I go out, there are over 75 mangoes on that mango tree. But if I go out, I won't say there are three mangoes that are bad, which I tasted. I will say all the mangoes are bad. It's a bad tree. <laughs> and I would discourage my from going to the same mango tree to pick a mango that may be good because of my experience. Because of my experience. So if God wants to shine a light through me to him, I have colored and limited the reality of what he can shine from me to him because of my what? Experiences. This is the reality of a lot of people in church. It's the reality of a lot of people in church. God says, I love you. They hear it, but there's another reality telling them something that they are also believing. They are balancing God. So let's balance this perspective. This perspective cannot be the whole truth. Let's balance it a little. If God says, I'm your shepherd, you shall not want. This shepherdry that you are doing, can I assist you? And you, you, you try to balance the perspectives that come from God. If your eye is single... It will light every part of your body such that if God shines through you, it's like a transparent sift. Everything that comes in goes out. But because your experiences and your ideas, and forever, till Jesus comes, we'll keep renewing our minds. We'll keep renewing our minds to be able to reflect exactly what the Lord is saying and what the Lord is doing. Because if our eye is not single, if social media and some celebrity online is who determines what you spend your time doing your eye cannot be single man your eye cannot be single and yes you may make some money while on earth but man you will lead more people astray if you eventually get to heaven God will not be pleased with your life God will not reward you because your eye was not single your whole body was not full of light therefore you could not shine your light to men to see your good works and pull them in the direction of God's grace. You couldn't do that. If your eye is single, your whole body shall be full of light. But an unsingle eye is an evil eye. Any eye that is not single is evil. If you want to kill a man's vision, give him two. It will die a natural death. Because no man is designed to be chasing two rats at the same time. You can't chase the two, you can't, you can't chase two rats and catch any. Can you chase two rats? No. Or you want to chase two chickens? You can't catch any. Your eye has to be single. It has to be single. It looks like I'm, I'm using parable to explain scripture. I'm using Yoruba and Igbo adages. You cannot look up and down at the same time. But your eye has to be single. Thy whole body shall be full of darkness if your eye is evil if it's evil if you are fleshy your body will be full of darkness the next verse the next verse it now says if therefore the light that is in you is darkness there is a light in you but you have covered it up it says if the light in you has been subdued by darkness it says how great is that darkness meditation requires focus Focus, focus, focus. Meditation also requires imagination. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. Bible says, The weapons of our spiritual warfare are not carnal. They are mighty true God to the pulling down of strongholds. Guess what? If you understand this thing, how do I put this now? If you understand this thing, you would understand how much you do not need for curses to be broken over you. Alright? So when you keep thinking that there are curses hanging over your head, it's because you do not understand this thing. There is no curse much more powerful than the Word of God. No curse. So if you're born again, you are no longer subject to any curse from anybody. Your parents, they can't curse you. They can't. I feel like I'm speaking to someone right now. They can't curse you. There's a name coming to my heart, but I'd rather not mention the name. And she's here. Nobody can curse you. Listen to the word of the Lord. You cannot be cursed. To curse is to place a limitation on. Is to hinder. Is to stop. Is to limit. That's what it means to curse. You cannot be cursed. You cannot be cursed. You cannot be cursed. And the, the, the antidote for any curse... He says, the weapons of our spiritual warfare, that is what we use to pull down strongholds. Strongholds are holds that hold strongly. <laughs> they hold you down. Strongholds. And those strongholds are mindsets. They are not curses from the village. They are mindsets. He says, the weapons of our spiritual warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. He calls them strongholds. The only thing that can pull down a stronghold is a stronger hold. Isn't it? The word of God is the stronger hold. You see, he pulls down strongholds because it is stronger than strongholds. You can't pull down what you are not stronger than. I need to be stronger than you to pull you down with the power that is resident in me. He says pulling down strongholds, how does he do it? Casting down imaginations by exalting imaginations. <laughs> Casting down imaginations and every eye thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So strongholds are imaginations and thoughts. Stronger holds are imaginations and thoughts. Just that strongholds that are imaginations and thoughts are hidden and rooted in your experience, your personality type, your limitations, your weaknesses, and all of those things that you do. Uh, they are strongholds. You have built imaginations and thoughts around those things. There is something called strongerholds, and how you exalt it over and above those other strongholds is by imagine, imagine, rather, imagining yourself over and above those things. You need to imagine that you are David, and there is a Goliath in front of you. Stop reading it. Imagine it. You read it a lot. You've forgotten how it feels. Imagine it. Imagine it. Imagine it. That Goliath is here. The Bible talks about how he was three cubits tall, is it? Very tall, over nine feet tall. And there is a David that is 5'10". And he comes to Goliath and he looks at him in the face. And he defies Goliath. How was he able to transcend his limitations? His physical limitation, his experiential limitation. He's never fought any battle in his life. He doesn't know any man of war. And he's looking at a Goliath who has been a mighty man of war since childhood. And it defies him. What happened to David? Where did he draw strength from? Where did he draw inspiration from? Where did he draw it from? He must have drawn it from a higher reality. He says, you came to me with spears. And with swords. But I don't come to you in the same vein. I come to you in the name of the Lord. What is the name of the Lord? It's a strong tower. As long as I'm inside of that name and I'm challenging you, you can do nothing to me. It's a strong tower. The righteous wield it. And he looked at Goliath and he defied Goliath. He says, you have come to me in physical realities. I've come to you with the covenant. What you call your advantage, I may be disadvantaged on that realm. But advantage or disadvantage is not a function of what you have or I don't have. It's a function of whether you know God or not. I know God, you don't know God. You are disadvantaged. David really looked at Goliath as if he was bigger than Goliath, really. He saw it. He saw it. We like to explain that scripture and make it look like it's something. He, He literally saw himself. That is why he kept saying everything he was going to do. I will kill you. I will cut off your head. I will feed you to the fowls of the air. He saw it. If your imagination is not involved in meditation, you will not experience it. You won't. You will only keep thinking. You have to imagine it. Your mind, your soul has to see it. This is very fundamental. You can't imagine without your mind conceiving it. Your imagination is the womb of the spirit. That is where you conceive realities. You stay there, you conceive it. You see it. You see it. You see it. When you see it like that, you will experience it, sir. Three times it has happened to me. Three times. Not three times that are just... It has happened to me multiple times. But these three times are very, very, very graphic. And I say it a lot, how that I was in secondary school. And I saw the deputy head boy back then. This guy was just a cool guy. I just loved this guy. I just liked the way he behaved. I just liked his swag. And I looked at him and I told my friend. I said, in this school, I'll be deputy head boy. And they were like, are you crazy? Uh, who, who talks like that? GS has won. GS has won. I was still going to spend six extra years before be- belonging to the group of people that could possibly become deputy head boy. And in six years, I imagined myself becoming deputy head boy for six years. I will speak like this guy. I will talk like this guy. This guy was just cool. He would enter the dining hall and everybody would keep quiet. Not because he shouting, but because he was just smiling. You'll just be smiling and you'll just keep quiet. Everybody, fu, 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 fu. Ah, who is this guy? It's like he had an entourage of angels around him, telling everybody to shush. Yomi J is around, Yomi J is around, Yomi J. The guy was just cool. And I said because of him, I was going to be deputy boy. I imagined it, I saw it. I imagined it. And I told my friend, Nkemjika obabudu I said in this school I'll become deputy head boy." SS3 came and the day they were going to announce the captains, and I was announced as the deputy head boy, and then came to guy slapped me. He said, Shadow, you're mad! I'm like, this is the deputy head boy you're slapping, you He said, you're mad. You remember, saying, "Kill me, for, for JSS1, say you go chop, deputy head boy. Because that, that's how you go chop. You go chop, deputy head boy. And I said, are, are you serious? Funny thing is, at that point, it was not even as strong anymore. But you see, I conditioned my experience to conform with my imagination. I didn't go to any principal, I didn't tell principal that, see, I'm, my ambition is to become deputy of this college. I only started to imagine it. I only started to imagine it and think about it until it became a stronger hold. And you see, that stronghold draws you to its reality. Everything you can think has a physical equivalent. Your imagination bridges the gap. Everything you can imagine has a physical equivalent. There is nothing you can think of that does not have a physical equivalent. That is the reality behind all these discoveries that we see today. Apple phones, aeroplanes. Somebody imagined it. And the moment it was imaginable, it became doable. If it is imaginable, it's doable. If it is imaginable, you can enter into its reality. Everything imaginable has a physical coefficient. The more you stay on that imagination, the closer it brings you to its physical reality. And this is not just some spooky metaphysics, this is God's word that some guys have tried to pervert you take God's word put it in your heart put it in your mind, imagine it he says when your servant was in the wilderness oh the bear came and tried to steal one of the sheep and I cut it by the beard and I tore it, what was it, why do you think Paul said, I mean Saul said give him, give him, let him go and fight he painted the picture to Saul Saul could not but buy it so I tore it, your servant tore it and the lion, uh-uh. and he began to say those things in graphic ways. Saul so saw it. Said, This guy, I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I may not be able to do it, but I see it. I see it. Go and fight him. Let's see what happens. Just go. And David went and defied Goliath. Defied him. Cursed him. Limited him by the supreme power. He imagined it. I went into the university and I went into RCF. I said, I'm going to be, oh, uh, let me be part of RCF because I, I was a member of Redeemed Church. So I went to RCF and I looked at the crowd. I said, 1,500 people. Ah, who is your leader in this place? Oh, you are too plenty. And I looked at that, and, and I knew I was not supposed to be part of RCF. I knew, I just knew in my spirit, I knew that I was not part. But I told myself, I said, on this campus, I will speak to this crowd, these people, I will come back and teach them God's word. And I went to my fellowship and did all the things that, and I imagined it, it never left me. That imagination was strong. Three, four years down later, nobody had ever been invited to RCF to teach as a student pastor. That had happened, especially if you are not a member of RCF or in the redeemed community. I was invited twice. Not because it just happened. <laughs> things don't just happen, sir. I imagined it so strong until the physical reality of that imagination came to me. I didn't have to consult or tell anybody. To I didn't tell any president. I said, "Tell your son to tell your successor. Tell the successor that four years down the line, let him become my friend." So that mm, 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 mm." you, it was my imagination that compelled the. So you see, your your thoughts and your imaginations are more powerful than the things you see, because they create the things you see. Mm, They do. We know. We understand by faith that the worlds were framed by the word of God. The word of God, you can't see it. You can't touch it. But if you can grab a hold of it, put it in your heart and in your mouth, and you meditate on it, it will create the material equivalent of itself. You need your imaginations active. So when someone says, you're a fool, "Mm, don't see it, please. The reason why you talk the way you talk is because you see yourself in that light. Ah, I I don't know if somebody is receiving what I'm saying here today. Don't see what they are saying. If you see it, it has entered your heart. And it will keep creating physical realities. And that's why you see a guy, somebody said something, his mother said something to him, when he was a child, he believed it, he saw it in his heart, and he has never been able to rise above it. Because he saw it. Can I think you always know, talks about a guy who said to himself that because his father died before the age of 40, his grandfather died before the age of 40, he also will never be past the age of 40. He kept telling himself, telling himself, telling himself, telling himself, until a few hours or days before he was 40, he died. And then I think his brother was speaking at his funeral. And they were like, well, my brother always said he was going to die before the age of 40. He just always said it. He just never ever saw himself past the age of 40. He would imagine himself old, but he would only imagine himself 39 years old. He would never be able to imagine beyond 40 because he spoke to himself so much, he imagined it. He saw it in his, in his heart. Your imagination is your womb. That's why you conceive God's promises. If you don't imagine it, you just keep saying, confessing. If it has not formed the picture, you will not see it materialize. You will not see it materialize. You have to see it with your mind's eye. You have to see it. When Caleb and Joshua saw those giants, they saw bread. They saw it. They didn't see giants. They saw bread. They were not lying. They were not trying to psych them up. That's what they saw. That's what they saw. Your image of who you are has to change. It has to change. And it must change with God's word. You you cast down imaginations with a higher imagination. And you bring down everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What are the things that have exalted themselves against the knowledge of God? That you are not good enough. It is trying to exalt itself against the knowledge of God in your heart that you are good enough. If Jesus died for you, he didn't die for something not good enough. If Jesus died for you, he didn't die for a god forsaken thing. He died for something that was worth it. And so when you concentrate on that, you know that you are good enough. And you are more than good enough. Because Jesus is your qualification. Not you. And you meditate on that. You exalt the imaginations of your heart, the thoughts of your mind, over and above every other thing. And you bring everything to the obedience of Christ by the word of God. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. You imagine the word of God. First thing is what? Focus. Number two? Imagination. This thing has happened to me multiple times. But those two, I have another third one for time they are the most vivid. I I will just see it and it will happen. It will happen. It will happen. And there are things I've seen also in my heart about my life in the next five years. And it will happen exactly the way I've seen it. It will. It will exactly. Exactly. In the very dimensions, it will happen. I'm not more powerful than you. i I just stuck with an image. i stuck with it. Stuck with it the things you see in your heart are more powerful than the things you see with your eyes. You can change the things you see with your eyes by changing the things you see with your heart. It's only a matter of time. What you see with your eyes will match up with what you have seen with your heart. And that's the whole idea about faith. See it. Then you enter into the kingdom. He says you cannot enter into the kingdom without seeing the kingdom. You must see it. And he's not talking about your physical eyes. He's talking about your spiritual eyes, the eyes of your understanding, your imagination. It is your womb. Can a woman give birth without conceiving? Your imagination is the conception. Just wait for nine months. The child will pop out because she has conceived it. It's just a matter of time. If you can conceive it in your imagination, it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. Somebody telling the pregnant woman, you're not pregnant, she will laugh. He's laugh. <laughs> not you. I'm the one carrying it. Just wait, just keep breathing. Nine months later, you will see the proof that I conceived nine months ago. If you can keep conceiving it, keep it at the fore of your mind, it will come to pass. So You need to shut out noise. And the devil and the enemy, they are trying to exalt an image over and above the knowledge of God in your life. Through social media. There's an agenda on those, on those platforms. There's an agenda. The devil is the one galvanizing every of those actors. He's galvanizing all of them. Push out this agenda that I'm trying to sell to the people. Let me kill their imagination. Let them begin to see you as the ultimate. When they are just pawns in the hands of the enemy, there is is something God has designed for you, Ablizi. Something specific. Catch it. You will become it. Catch that revelation. Catch it. See it. See it. See it. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry I'm taking some time today. This is the last one of it. And I'll be out of your faces. <laughs> Have you heard of your faces? Pastor <laughs> Peace, don't cobalize every other person. Some of them are like, oh, what's <laughs> it No, but really the word works. It works. The last thing is this. Ooh, praise God. What's the last thing? Oh boy. Ah, thank you, Jesus. The word of God cannot be revealed to you without the holy spirit that's the last thing you need to put in your mind you need to focus on it you need to imagine it or well, you need to involve the holy spirit second peter chapter one from verse 16 for we have not devised cunningly devised fables we have not made known unto you cunningly devised fables or we made known unto you the power and the coming of our lord jesus christ but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty when you receive from the father honor and glory and when there came such a voice from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in know, I'm well pleased. He says, we were with him in the holy mount, and we heard it. This voice that came from heaven, we heard it. But please never exalt the hearing with your ears, the seeing with your eyes, over and above the word of God. Because we have a more sure word of prophecy, Whereunto you do well, to take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns, and until the day star arises in your heart. Knowing this. And no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. Praise the name of the Lord. And that this prophecy came in no time, not of the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by God. That means if you carry a word in the Bible, you are speaking a moved word, you are speaking an inspired word, you are confessing God's word. Praise the name of the Lord. And so there was something that happened as we begin to close, something that happened in Luke chapter 24. Jesus had gone, you know, he had been crucified, he'd been buried, and he had died for three days. But on the third day, you know, he was raised from the dead and all of that. And then Mary Magdalene had told them how that, you know, she had gone to the tomb, and she didn't find him there, and she saw an angel, and all of those stories. And then Cleopas and his friend were leaving Jerusalem to Emmaus, or Emmaus, and then while they were going, Jesus heard their conversation. And he just walked up to them and said, oh, what's going on? What's happening in Israel? What's happening? Jesus, the man of the hour. He was just talking to them, trying to tease them and say, oh, what's going on? And they began to say stuff that Jesus was not proud of. And they began to say things like, um, are, are, you, are you new in this town? You don't know what's going on? <laughs> I like the face I is putting up. Like, ah! are you in this time you don't know what's going on that there is a certain prophet by the name Jesus of Nazareth who we believe was going to redeem the children of Israel from from the Roman Empire's rule and and reign and now he's dead the person that we all hoped that was going to redeem us is now dead and all of that and his disciples have come to and then uh, I'm trying to summarize everything he said we trusted verse 21 we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel and beside all this today is the third day since these things were done Yes, certain women also of our company made us astonished and were early at sepulchre. And all of those things. And verse 25, what Jesus says is very, very harsh, isn't it? These guys at least knew knew something. See what Jesus says. Listen to this. And this is not me. (laughs) Guys, uh, it's not me. He says, All fools and slow of heart to believe. All that the prophets have spoken they had read the prophets but they didn't believe the prophets oh, listen to this they had read the prophets what Jesus did to them is what the Holy Ghost does to us every day listen all fools and slow of art to believe all that the prophets have spoken ought not Christ they called him Jesus of Nazareth he called himself Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory Everything that they had read in the Bible was the same thing Jesus was explaining, but he was explaining it in the light of new creation, not as a story. They called him Jesus of Nazareth, and they called him a prophet. He called himself the Christ, the Savior. When you don't meditate on scriptures with the help of the Holy Spirit, you will misinterpret, you will miscellane. You'll be saying things that are not consistent. You will call Christ Jesus of Nazareth, you will call him a prophet. You will say things that are not consistent with the truth of the word. And so Jesus began to expose. And said, see, this guy you're calling Jesus of Nazareth is not Jesus of Nazareth. He's the Christ. He's the Savior. This guy they are saying is a prophet. He's not a prophet. He's the Savior of the body. And he's saying, verse 25, I'm beginning at Moses, that is the law, and all the prophets, the Bible says, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Every single thing in scripture is about Jesus. Everything. Everything from Genesis to Revelation, he says he expounded unto them in all scriptures the things concerning himself. And the Bible says they drew night to the village. Now, this is where I'm going to. The Bible says, and made and now whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. That is, he was going to do as if he was going to leave them behind. There are some dimensions you will never enter in God if you don't restrain the Holy Spirit. Listen to that. He was going to do as he was going. Will they desire more? Will they ask for more? He did as he was going to walk away. He said, The Bible says they constrained him. There are times you have studied for two hours and you have to study two more hours because there is something at the end of the fourth hour. You have to constrain him and say, God, I, I need to know this one. For six hours, because it's a 12-kilometer journey. I I, I checked it up. From Jerusalem to Emmaus. If, of course, there was no camel, so they walked it. So they trekked 12 kilometers. They may have spent about four to five hours walking. And Jesus was expounding scriptures. We've only spent one hour teaching the word. You guys are already looking sad. (laughs) But for five hours, Jesus was expounding from scriptures, things concerning himself. Because the Bible says they left Jerusalem. And it was at that Jerusalem he met up with them. And he spoke with them concerning himself for about four hours. And when they got to the village in Emmaus, the Bible says he wanted to do as if he was walking away from Emmaus. He, says they, he constrained them, wait, no, 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 don't go, don't go. We are loving this thing. We are enjoying what you're doing. You are exposing off yourself unto us. And they constrained him to stay and abide with them. The Bible says that whither we they went and made as though it would go, it would go for, further, but they constrained him, said, Abide with us. The, the same way you must abide with the word. You must enjoin the Holy Ghost to show you things in scriptures. He says, Abide with us, for it is toward evening and the day is fast spent. And he went into tarry with them. If you call for him, he will tarry with you. If you ask him to show you more, he will show you more. And then he says, and it came to pass as he sat to meet with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished. God would always honor the fact that you honor his word above manifestations. Once their eyes were opened, there was no use for him again. You see, he was explaining the ministry of the Holy Spirit here. They were seeing him explain to them. But once their eyes were open to understand, it was no longer necessary to manifest physically for them to understand. Because now they understand. Their eyes were opened. That is what the Holy Spirit does. Don't magnify the physical... Some people say, I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. Lord, let me see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. Appear to me, Lord. Something will appear to you. And it will be bright. But it will not be Jesus. It won't be Jesus. The Bible says the devil himself appears like a, as an angel of light. He will come to you and he will show you things and he will tell you stuff about people, familiar spirits, he will possess you because you are looking for physical manifestations. But he says, listen, you have to understand the prophets, what they have said. You have to understand it. And it is with the help of the because without the help of the Holy Spirit, you'll be calling Jesus Jesus of Nazareth. You'll be calling him a prophet. Because you, you don't understand the spirit of the word. He will open your eyes and he will show you things to come. The Bible says what happened before he opened your eyes was communion, which is what we're going to be wrapping up today with. That as we enter into this new season of our lives, pastors, please help us administer the communion. That as we enter into this new season of our lives, that our eyes will be supernaturally opened. Listen to this. What you're about to enter into is a powerful thing. The word of God will become more real to you than the cloth on your skin. Yeah. It's going to become more real to you. Because now you are about to eat the bread and take the wine. And the Bible says once Cleopas and his friend ate this thing and drank this thing high, their eyes were open and they understood and they knew Jesus. They knew Jesus. Because Jesus is the scriptures. They knew him. They knew the word the Bible says he vanished. It was no longer necessary. And that is exactly what the Holy Ghost does. Because Jesus has not appeared since he left. But the Holy Ghost, through the ministry of meditation, helps us to reveal Jesus or helps us to see Jesus in every scripture. In every scripture. And if you read verse 45, Luke 24, the Bible says, Then opened he their understanding that he might understand the scriptures. Opened heed their understanding, that they might understand the scriptures. Meditation requires that you focus. Meditation requires that you imagine things in the word. And meditation is not possible or else you will imagine into metaphysics if it is not conditioned by the Holy Spirit. If it is not conditioned by the Holy Spirit, you begin to imagine nonsense. You just begin to imagine things that are not consistent with the word. And you see, the things you imagine, even the Bible says, even God may not be able to withhold you from it until it scatters your tongue. It's because you have imagined it. Imagination is so powerful. But what must wield and direct our imagination is the Holy Spirit. That is how meditation becomes fruitful. That is how you don't see other things but Jesus. Because if you imagine, it, just keep imagining, you will see other things. You will see Jesus. But when the Holy Ghost is involved, he has no other person to reveal to you through scriptures except Jesus. So once you watch out for him in scriptures, once you invite him into your corner, telling him to reveal to you the word, He will open your understanding, verse 45, and you will understand the scriptures. So guess what? Anyone who does not meditate on scriptures, Jesus' verdict to him is all fool and slow of heart. It's not me, like I said. Alright? Anyone who doesn't meditate on scripture, he will misan a prophet will tell you he's not the one for you, and you believe him. Because you see, you're not a fool. I yeah, am not slow of heart. But you see, sometimes Jesus, I'm not, I'm not holier than Jesus. But Jesus called them fools. But sometimes I'm even feeling like, Jesus, that was too harsh. Like These guys at least knew the word. They knew the Bible. They just didn't understand it. How can you be saying he died and he was to redeem Israel? He was to redeem the world. You are thinking of a political redemption. He's talking about salvation. But you didn't see all of that in scriptures because you didn't invite the Holy Spirit. All you were seeing the physical, historical data. Revelation knowledge comes only by the Holy Spirit. Only by the Holy Spirit. And so when you don't engage the Holy Spirit to understand scriptures, you will be a fool and you will be so of heart. God will be trying to reveal something that you can't get it. And so what happens? Once their eyes were opened, it was evening already. They were revived again. They went back to Jerusalem that same day. Yeah. That same day! Eh? After receiving such revelation knowledge from the word himself, they didn't sleep in their house. They said, we can't sleep in their house. Their house is too dull for this. They went back to their company in Jerusalem. The same people that were saying, Jesus, this evening, is past time for you to be going anywhere else. They traveled back five hours again, walking, went back to Jerusalem. And it was after that time that Jesus now appeared to them in the midst of all of them and they showed him his hands and all of that and says, flesh and bones do not have all these things and all of that. And they rose up the same hour. And returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them. See that? They went back in the energy of the revelation knowledge that they had seen Jesus through the scriptures. He opened their understanding, not that they may see Him, but that they may understand the scriptures. This is the highest revelation of Christ to you: the understanding of scriptures, the understanding of scriptures. And what happened? They ate the bread. They took the wine and their eyes were open. So we, 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 we take this series to a consummate. was the word now? We, we consummate these realities in our hearts with the communion. We consummate it. As we take this bread, as we take this wine, we enter into that covenant with him again. We remember him. We enter into the remembrance that Jesus is the word. And as we enter into the understanding of scriptures, he is revealed to us. By the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Can I rise to your feet? Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at PowerPoint Tribe.